Hey friends, Meg here. Vika and I just wanted to set a moment aside at the top of today's episode to acknowledge the Supreme Court's leaked draft decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The news came a literal day after we recorded, so if we sound like we don't know anything about it, it's because we didn't yet. We just wanted to say, although nothing's official yet and we are scared about what this decision could mean, we're also hopeful about our collective power to affect change. We hope this episode encourages you too. We have funds to donate to and resources to learn more in the show notes. And with that, let's dive into the episode. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. Where did you get this pure thought and impure thought business? Who are you to decide what is pure and impure? This is the way life is made. There's nothing pure, there's nothing impure. Life is just the way it is. It's for you. A culture that is obsessed with and prioritizes a separation from and control of natural human desire. Hello and welcome to Impure Rethought, a podcast about the ways purity, patriarchy, and profit have shaped Western culture. I'm Meg. I am Victoria, aka Vika. We are your hosts. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Today's episode is about compulsory or mandatory motherhood or mandatory parenthood. I have a lot of different terms that we're going to go over. <laughs> Ooh, yay! Um, but to start, because we love to quiz each other. We do. Um, what do you know about the idea of compulsory motherhood? Um, I know that I always expected that I would have to have children because I can. Um, shout out to my mom, problematic queen. Um, <laughs> I love my mom. Some complaints, but you know. Um, Moms, like, you know. Yeah. I, she would always tell us that like we shouldn't have sex unless we were sure that we wanted to have a child with the person we were having sex with, which... Um, very healthy view of sex. Yep, my therapist and I talk about that a lot. Um, but, like, that's how we were conceived, me and my sisters. So, like, I kind of, like, had this idea in my head that, like, you had sex to have children. And if you didn't, like... That, like, I don't know, like, you know that scene in Mean Girls where it's like, you don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die. Like, that was definitely (laughs) my view of sex. And then, like, um, I didn't even know that, like, abortion was a thing until I was maybe, like, 15. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And it became, like, uh, I think probably they talked about it in, like, our apologetics class Yeah, probably. And (laughs) everybody was, like, having an abortion is evil and Planned Parenthood sucks. And I was like, what's Planned Parenthood? (laughs) Yeah, same. I literally didn't know what Planned Parenthood was until I was, like, I remember the moment that I first heard about it. I was 18. Oh, really? (laughs) And, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, And... I was, like, at Disneyland with our choir. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And one of the moms was so excited because there was, like, some news that they were defunding Planned Parenthood or something (laughs) like that. And I was, like, I only understood it as, like, the term, like, Planned Parenthood, like, planning your family, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, how do you defund an idea? (laughs) And then I Googled it. That's hilarious. I'm pretty sure I also Googled it because I remember, like, being a theater kid and being in the car with my theater friends and we passed a Planned Parenthood in Watsonville, California. And I, I had, like, shouted something like, boo evil, because I was 15 and that's what my Mm -hmm. family had said. And one of my friends was like, uh, no, like, don't be a Republican. Um, (laughs) Shout out to Sydney. And oh, there's my cat. Um, Hope hope you all enjoy that. (laughs) He's really angry about the closed door right now. Um, 
And then I like went home and Googled what Planned Parenthood was. And I was like very shocked to find out that it's not just like an abortion clinic and that many Planned Parenthoods do not in fact perform abortions. But anyways, yeah, I guess like I, my grandma had my mom when she was 17. So like it was never like it, it was something that was like, I don't know. It was just if you get pregnant, you have the baby no matter no matter how good that is for the baby um yeah are you a baby yeah the babiest of babies oh literally (laughs) um and then i mean obviously like we are currently facing lots of attacks on like reproductive rights so i know Mm -hmm. that it's something that um is like near and dear to old white man's hearts unless like (laughs) their mistress gets pregnant and then they're like abortion's fine actually (laughs) so true yeah i also we talked about this a little bit in the last episode but i always like assumed that i would have children because that's what women did and i never wanted children and i never liked children so that's kind of how i relate to compulsory motherhood like i think i was like 20 by the time i was like oh i don't have to have a child like i I can just not do that same i think i was around the same age when Mm. i was like oh that's an option yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah so like coming into this episode for me all i knew about compulsory motherhood was like much the same as what Mm -hmm. you said um to me it just meant like the societal pressure on women to have children Mm -hmm. but obviously there's so much more to it than that otherwise we wouldn't be doing a whole episode on it (laughs) it's true so (laughs) so we'll start with like some basic terms that i think are really important okay um the biggest one is pronatalism or natalism okay um i'm gonna mostly be saying natalism but they mean the same thing Natalism's okay. just shorter and easier to say. But anyway, so that is the belief that promotes the reproduction of human life, usually for the benefit of society at large. So it's basically just like the belief that everyone should be having children. Hmm. A natalist culture is like, honestly, historically, the United States, but <laughs> more specifically, like evangelical culture, um, historically, like Catholic culture, too. People that don't use birth control, hashtag my family. Yeah. And they're just like as many children as we have is like what God wants. Yeah. Well, okay. Thank you for leading into the next point. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Which is the term unlimited natalist. Okay. And that refers to someone who is a natalist and also condemns contraception. Oh. So you can be a natalist and use contraception Hmm. and like support it, but unlimited natalists also condemn contraception. Um, That term, as far as I could tell, came from an Old Testament scholar named John McCune. McCune? Mm. Sorry. John McCune. (laughs) I practiced (laughs) this name and it didn't even uh, stick, apparently. And I wrote down the pronunciation in my notes. Uh, (laughs) But it didn't matter because I said it wrong anyway. John McCune, an Old Testament scholar, um, he wrote a book called weird title but i'm gonna be referring to this book a lot god's babies natalism (laughs) and bible interpretation in modern america okay it's like a really great book and honestly guided a lot of my research into this topic but yeah god's babies don't love that title (laughs) another term is procreationism which is and you kind of touched on this the view that sex should always be intended for procreation Mm-hmm. On the flip side, there's antinatalism, which is the view that procreation is wrong. For example, people should not bring children into the world because the children will only suffer. Ooh. Um, I think this is really popular, actually, among people our age um, yeah. who are like, you know, getting to the age where we're expected to have children. Um, a lot of people are concerned about bringing kids into, like, climate change. Yeah. People have concerns about overpopulation, which I have thoughts about, but... Okay, I mean... We'll save that for another episode. 
I know, like, that's definitely a thought that I've had. That's, like, if I got pregnant, like, would I want to raise a child in this world where we're not sure, like, what it's going to look like? Like, we're not, we're really unsure about the future right now. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I don't fully agree, but I get it. Yeah. I am on the same page as you. I was just saying I have thoughts about overpopulation because I think that it's not Overpopulation is, like, yeah, (laughs) It's literally (laughs) just like we need to redistribute, redistribute our resources. Yeah. And then it won't seem like we're overpopulated. Anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) another conversation for another time. Um, Okay, so those are like the biggest terms that we're going to be talking about. Mostly natalism, but I think those other ones are important to know. Great. Uh, Yeah, so we'll just dive into the history. We're not going super back into history because, I don't know. A lot of cultures have always viewed women as, like, birth givers, and that's, like, our main role. I didn't want to get too into the weeds with that. Yeah. So I'm focusing more on modern times, mostly the 20th century. So John McKeown says that for a long time, having children and multiple children was actually profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's seen as, like, a drain on resources, but... Before there were child labor laws and yeah. education was accessible, kids just basically were bringing in another source of income to the household. I saw this TikTok of a, a woman that pops up on my page every now and again. She's a black woman. She's married to a white man and she's pregnant. And the she asked him like what he was most excited about. Um, and he was like never having to do chores again and she was like (laughs) she was like so you want you're excited to have biracial children running around the house so you don't have to do chores what does that sound like to you (laughs) like does that sound like a slave and that tiktok made me really laugh um but anyways yeah, I feel like that's that's the view that um, many people had of children for a long time. Just like, ooh, this is a yeah. little servant for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but then with a combination of a decline in mortality rates, longer and more accessible schooling, urbanization, and child labor laws, you know, that view shifted and mm-hmm. kids weren't uh servants so much anymore (laughs) so that's good (laughs) big l for parents big win for children (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh in 1938 the fair labor standards act was uh enacted Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um that had a child labor provision which set a minimum age requirement for workers but child labor was already on a decline at that point for yeah all the reasons i just said (laughs) um yeah so now a little another little pop quiz for you okay Um, what factors would you guess are most often tied to natalism Ooh. okay i love a pop quiz natalism is the idea that we should be having children that it's like our responsibility to produce children yeah Hmm. it's like a societal responsibility i would guess it has a lot a lot to do with industry um Mm. I would guess that, like, if you have kind of a large agrarian society that, like, having, like, literally just having more hands around and having people who, like, equally share in the labor would lead to having more children or, like, strong industrial societies, I guess. I would also, I think... I would guess that it has something to do with politics and the way that, like, your government is governed. Because I think, like, if you have, like, a strong dictatorship or monarchy, you probably don't want a ton of peasants who are going to revolt against you. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, so perfect um, segue to my next point. Oh, hooray. (laughs) To me, like, without thinking about it too deeply, I was like, oh, natalism's, like, always tied to religion. Mm. But you knew. (laughs) It's also tied to economic prosperity um, and nationalism. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. So the idea is basically like rising birth rates in a country tend to indicate economic prosperity. Hmm. So it's usually in a country's best interest to promote reproduction and fertility. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah. 
A fun example of this in history, and by fun, I mean... uh, I was going to say, is it Nazis? (laughs) uh, Pretty much. (laughs) So Italy's fascist former prime minister, Benito Mussolini, argued in his 1928 essay, Strength in Numbers. Um, He said, the birth rate is not simply an index of the progressive power of the nation. It is also that which will distinguish the fascist people from the other peoples of Europe as an index of vitality and the will to pass on this vitality over the centuries. Oh. Um, yeah. I know that um, Japan is currently having a population crisis because none of the young people are having children. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably like <laughs> just should have found that in my research, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so Mussolini... Uh, was a natalist, <laughs> which yep. is like, maybe don't be a natalist. Not a great example for you. Yeah, if you're sharing views with Mussolini, you might want to examine Reconsider. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so an Italian penal code in 1930 called the sale of contraceptives a crime against the race. <laughs> I know. Uh, and a government deputy around the same time called for the condem- condemnation of both bachelorhood and barren and low fertility marriages. Oh. Yeah. Yikes to that. Yeah. And this language actually wasn't too far off from what a U.S. president was saying just a couple decades earlier. Another pop quiz for you. <laughs> Do you know who was president from 1901 to 1909? Oh. I wouldn't have known. I had to Google it. <laughs> Not Calvin Coolidge because he did the dam. Who was before Calvin Coolidge? Duncan! <laughs> who was president before Calvin Coolidge? Uh, Wilson, maybe? Was it Wilson? Woodrow Wilson? Wasn't that? Yeah. That was like World before War the. II. Yeah, that was in the 30s, I'm pretty sure. Woodrow Wilson? Yeah. No, Woodrow Wilson was president during the First World War. Oh. Well, no. Okay. Was it Taft? No, it was Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Why did I think that he was way before that? Um, there aren't there two Roosevelts? There's a Teddy and there's FDR, but I I don't know. I thought that Teddy yeah. was president in like 1860 or something. Although that's the Civil War, so that also yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know that Teddy Roosevelt was president during the Gilded Age, which is like 1880 to 1900-ish in the U.S. Mm. So. Yeah, so he's he's like turn of the... 20th century president. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. So he had some fun natalist rhetoric. Fun. Um, also. Can't a wait. A lot of it, actually. <laughs> um, in a 1907 letter to the editor of a magazine, and I texted you the name of this magazine because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the magazine is called The American Monthly Review of Reviews. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Roosevelt, like, went off on someone (laughs) who wrote an article in that magazine. Wow. And he, in that letter, warned of race suicide due to low (gasps) fertility. Oh, no. Um, yeah. This is, like, oh, this is, like, so crazy how this is, like, directly ties into, like, incels and, like, white supremacist incels. Totally. Oh, we're just having the same talking points a hundred years later. Love that. Yeah, we hate to see it. Yeah. Um, so in his letter, he said, the greatest problem of civilization is to be found in the fact that the well-to-do families tend to die out, Mm. which he said results in, quote, the elimination instead of the survival of the fittest. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, deeply classist. Yeah. Arguably uh, eugenicist. Yeah. I, you know what I think about a lot is, like, my ancestors were just, like, chilling on the Azores for thousands of years, and I have a very healthy immune system, and I'm rarely sick, and I'm like, wow, I am the fittest. I have survived. <laughs> like... True. And because I'm made of hearty peasant stock, so... There you go. The the royal <laughs> family could never. They could never. And uh, yeah, that's the problem that Roosevelt's talking about. He's like, <laughs> it's a problem that the <laughs> that the well-to-do families can't make it. But maybe it has to do with all the inbreeding. Maybe, but yeah, it doesn't sound likely to me. 
So this actually, like, around the same time, there was a jump in higher fertility among immigrants in the U.S., mm. so likely he was having his own moral panic about that. Mm. Um, he also said that people who refuse to have children sufficient in number are criminals. Oh, so. what? <laughs> yeah, and if the president is saying you're a criminal, like, lit- like you are, right? <laughs> like, yeah. legally. Yeah, so it's like that's true. Very horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Another, I have a lot of Roosevelt quotes, so I'm sorry, but they were just so wild. I had to share them. I don't remember him saying this in Night at the Museum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. Oh, yeah. Do we have to cancel Night at the Museum? No, do you know, so there's that big statue of him in front of the Museum of Natural History. They're actually removing it. And oh yeah, yeah, we went. Yeah, and we saw their whole exhibit. Yeah, and they were like, yeah. "We've decided not to remove it, but we have this whole exhibit about the conversation." And then, like a month later, they were like, "Okay, we'll take it down." <laughs> well, that's great news because he's horrifying. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, he did a speech in 1905 titled "On American Motherhood," which you can oh. imagine is <laughs> like God. such a fun speech to read. Yeah, in that speech, he argues that a country won't won't see economic prosperity unless its men work hard and are, quote, willing at need to fight hard. (laughs) Hmm. And unless the average woman is a good wife, a good mother, able and willing to perform the first and greatest duty of womanhood, able and willing to bear and to bring up as they should be brought up healthy children, sound in body, mind, and character, and numerous enough so that the race shall increase and not decrease. Oh my god. Oh my I know. god. Okay. I know. <laughs> it's like unreal. I don't know how like Teddy Roosevelt has such a positive like <laughs> literally the best PR team ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um so this <laughs> this quote like it doesn't have a ton to, to do with uh what I'm talking about, but I just wanted to share it with you um, (laughs) because it pretty much sums up the whole vibe of the speech. Okay. Okay. (laughs) He said, quote, no mother has an easy time. The most mothers have very hard times. And yet what true mother would barter her experience of joy and sorrow in exchange for a life of cold selfishness, which insists upon perpetual amusement and the avoidance of care and which often finds its fit dwelling place in some flat designed to furnish with the least possible expenditure of effort, the maximum of comfort and of luxury, but in which there is literally no place for children. End quote. (laughs) He's like, if you don't have children, your house will also suck. Yeah, he's like, you live in an ugly flat, and I hate you. Specific drag. Okay, (laughs) I I mean, sounds like a pretty accurate descriptor of me, but... (laughs) Uh, yeah, basically, uh, super chill and fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> My god. I know. He just uh. really, like, has so much to say in this speech. Later, in the same speech, he equated the man or woman who deliberately forego these blessings to the soldier who runs away in battle. <gasps> the soldier oh who runs away in battle. Um, and presents them both as, like, contemptible in their own right. So. Jesus. This is 1905? Yeah. yeah. So World War One hasn't started yet. No. Oh. But it sounds like Mussolini liked what he had to say, so. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Should always be taking our cues from Mussolini. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, like, it sounds, this sounds like a speech that somebody would give in response to population loss from a world war but it's crazy Mm. that it's not like he's just like this is just what he thinks i was reading so many things from roosevelt for this (laughs) um it like rotted my brain a little bit i'm pretty sure i aged a few years but um he like just can't stop talking about race suicide and american motherhood like, he's just constantly having a moral panic about white people dying off, and especially, like, rich white people. Literally, like, Nazi ideology. Literally, that is, yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea that that was something that he believed so strongly. Yeah, me neither. Wow. Um, he proposed specifically that not only should families be having kids, but they should not stop at 
one to three, oh, they should okay. aim for four to six. Jesus Christ, can you imagine <laughs> giving birth without an epidural six times? Seriously horrifying. Um, he literally, like, <laughs> he presents it as, like, this logical math problem. He's like, <laughs> if <laughs> if families have four to six kids, it's more likely that those kids will have more kids. But if you only have one to three, it's less likely that the population will grow because some of those kids might not have kids. Hmm. And it's like, calm down. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yikes. And also, like, sorry, moms, if you feel any type of way about having six kids that's just you being selfish yeah <laughs> as he said especially like turn of the century this is right after the industrial revolution there are no child labor laws so you're like you have six kids and then you have to feed them all like yeah and if yeah. you're a factory worker oh uh, wow okay. yeah um meanwhile over in england Anglicans were having a similar moral panic and warned Fun. in 1908 report on contraception of, quote, <laughs> a world danger that the great English-speaking peoples, diminished in number, should commit the crowning infamy of race suicide and so fail to fulfill that high destiny to which the providence of God they have been manifestly called. Oh my god. Literally, all of this is so much more horrifying than I thought. <laughs> and yeah. this is like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Like, this is not that long ago. No. Um, I think our guy, McKeown, summed it up best. Natalism driven by eugenic concerns about nation, race, and religion was a mainstream idea among Protestants in the early 20th century. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess, I don't, it makes sense with, like, the amounts of immigration that were happening in the early 20th century like it makes not that it not that eugenics makes sense but it makes sense that that yeah. was an anxiety that people were having yes. but also like oh my god like, that's yep. all i have to say <laughs> yep <laughs> well said um, um so anglicans obviously were like so scared of contraception um evangelicals around the same time were also like not having contraception but by the 1960s, most evangelical leaders had come around to the idea of family planning. Mm -hmm. In 1968, um, evangelical leaders released a statement affirming that partners in marriage should have the privilege of determining the <laughs> I can't say the sentence of determining the number of children they wish to have. Okay, that feels progressive for 1968. Yeah, it does. But, <laughs> unfortunately, evangelical natalism had a renaissance in the 1980s. Oh, God. And okay. as evidenced by us covering this topic in our podcast in the year of our Lord 2022, <laughs> uh, evangelical natalism has not gone away since. Yep. <laughs> uh, so now I want to dive into a couple pro-natalist Bible verses. Oh, okay. Um, so the most common one that is cited is Genesis 1.28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Mm -hmm. um, that is used for like all kinds of arguments, but natalism most often. Wow. Another common one, and this is kind of like, well, I'll just read it. Okay. <laughs> it's Isaiah 43, 6 to 7. Okay. It says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Um, so this one's not as overtly natalist, like it's not a command, but mm -hmm. it's kind of presenting a reason for being natalist, if that makes yeah. sense, like yeah. have children so that more people can be on earth to bring glory and praise to God. Yeah. What a big head. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, that always seemed really weird to me. Even when I was like evangelical, I was like, why is God so obsessed with like... <laughs> With people glory. bringing glory to him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's I like the know. ultimate, like, I'm, I'm stop being evangelical. It's like the ultimate, I'm, you're giving up your dream. No, dad, I'm giving up yours. <laughs> yes. Wow, we love a high school musical quote. <laughs> <laughs> I actually always remember that from ice princess um a oh. classic that's oh, why i wow. heard that one for the first time okay we love a decom quote then yeah but then when high school musical came out which i think was like two years later i was like mm -hmm. um they are ripping off ice princess <laughs> i loved ice princess <sighs> ice what a princess great film. is so good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> 
Um, anyway. Okay. Back to God. <laughs> yeah, back to God. We need to bring glory to him at all times. Too bad we can't bring glory to him by physics and ice skating. No, it's impossible <laughs> to do that. Ice, ice princess Don't you deep know? cut there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so another one that is really common is Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Mm-hmm. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Mm, I've heard that one. Um, first of all, I know that quiver, like a quiver is like for arrows, but I yeah. hate it. I, <laughs> I hate that word. Anyway, have you heard of the quiverful movement? Yes, I have. Yeah, so it's based like directly on this verse. Mm, that makes sense. I think like the Duggars or somebody were quiverfuls. Oh, somebody like yeah. some famous religious couple. That sounds right. The yeah. Duggars sound right. I knew it had like been really not like popular but like a buzzword for a few years there and I yeah. couldn't remember what like was happening. But anyway, yeah, it's basically a theological position uh, this is straight from Wikipedia, by the way. Thanks, Wikipedia. Okay, thanks. <laughs> says, a theological position held by some conservative Christian couples that see large families as blessings from God. It thus encourages procreation, abstaining from all forms of birth control. So like your classic procreationist and yeah. also unlimited natalist view. The the two combined. Thanks, Mussolini. <laughs> we hate to see it. Mussolini combined with Psalms. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what makes for a great... The evangelical movement. <laughs> Um, as of July 2021, a majority of white evangelical Protestants in the U.S. say that prioritizing marriage and having children is better for society, Yikes. according to a Pew study. And that's actually the highest percentage out of any subgroup surveyed in oh, the study. Wow. And a huge jump from the 34, 30, from the 34% of U.S. adults overall who said the same thing. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, for some reason I didn't write down the percentage, but I think it was like 63 <laughs> okay. or something yeah, percent that, of evangelicals said that. Yeah. So it's like a solid majority. It's not like, a, a, I don't know, 80% or something would be more horrifying to me, but it's still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so now on to today. So first off, I want to say that there are like a ton of terms for people who choose not to have children. Mm -hmm. Um, There's childless, child-free, voluntary childless, intentionally Mm -hmm. childless, voluntary child-free, childless by choice, um, and probably more (laughs) that I didn't come across. But (laughs) I will mostly be using the term child-free in this episode. Yeah, I I feel like I've heard that one the most. Yeah, first, because it implies choice to me Mm -hmm. instead of childless. Mm -hmm. And... Also because it's the most popular term. So yeah. it's the the one of choice from most of the research papers I read. Yay. So, yeah. Just to establish that, child-free is our word. According to a Pew study conducted in October 2021, some 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 say it's not too likely or not at all likely that they'll have kids one day. Mm. 44%. Wow. It's like a lot to me. Yeah, that is a huge <laughs> amount of people. Yeah, and it's an increase of seven percentage points from 2018. Wow. Which is the last time they did that study. Seven percent is a really big incline statistically. Yeah, it is. Despite that, though, child-free adults and especially women and femme-presenting people still frequently face stigma for their decision. Wow. Of course. Can't relate to that at all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> you certainly won't relate to this next point either. Oh, great. So Rosemary Gillespie um, is a leading social researcher and the author of a bunch of papers on child-free women. Mm-hmm. And she narrowed the three types of stigma child-free women face into three categories. Um, And I'm specifically saying, I want to say, I'm specifically saying women here because that's what she focused on in her Mm. paper. But I think this applies to like... Anybody who can have children. Yeah. Yeah. So the three categories are disbelief, disregard, and deviance. (gasps) Okay. So disbelief, one researcher said that 
it basically redefines child freedom as a sacrifice rather than a choice and Mm. of the three is the most likely to mask as support Mm. a core idea of this is motherhood denied Mm. through something like career or schooling sometimes like infertility basically people just assuming you must have some other reason than choice yeah the next type of stigma um is disregard which is the belief that women will change their mind. Oh my god, I used to get that so much. Yes, I get that all the time still. From my doctor. That's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting because like I mostly got it when I was single and people would be like, Mm. you'll you'll meet somebody who will change your mind one day. But like Mm. for you, like you are married. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) I can't imagine being like, you'll change your mind one day. And it's like, I've you've been married for like four or five years. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, almost four years. I think that like the difference is that the expectation for us to be having kids like right now or as soon Mm. as possible because we're married is higher yeah um and so the fact that we don't want kids people are like okay you just don't want them right now you want to travel around and like do your thing Mm. and it's like yeah we do and we also want kids ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah forms of this are things like and i'm sure you can (laughs) attest to this but examples are People saying things like, who will take care of you when you're old? Yeah, it's like, I'll just die. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully I will have saved up like retirement money and I can like check myself in somewhere. (laughs) Will the planet even be here? (laughs) Like, True, true. Also that. Um, Another one is it's different when they're your own. Yeah. I'm like, probably. While it may be different if they're your own, because I did clean up my cat's puke yesterday, I didn't have a good time (laughs) doing it. Like, yeah. 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 And also, I can leave my cat alone at home and he doesn't need a sitter. Yes. It's the best. Cats are the best. I love cats. I want want a quiver full of cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. To bring glory to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways, go on. Um... Yeah, the last example I have written down is saying, but you'd be such a good mom. (laughs) I got that one too, and I was like, disagree. (laughs) You're like, wow, you really think so? Yeah, I was like, "Mm." yeah, I was like, you don't see what I eat for breakfast every morning, (laughs) which is usually nothing. Yeah, yeah, I get this one a lot uh, because I'm like really friendly or whatever, but like, I'm like, listen. I have so much trouble taking care of myself. Yeah. I can't. I would be a horrible mom. I, yeah. I mean. <laughs> for so many reasons. Listen, I'm I'm not I'm not saying like, yeah, you'd be a horrible mom. But just <laughs> you can as, say it, as somebody who knows you quite well, I would say like, <laughs> yeah. I, I do think a challenge like a kid would be a logistical challenge for you. And yes, I thank you. That's all I need to hear. just be super stressed out all the time. Yep, exactly. Um, the last form is deviance, okay. and it's the most interesting to me, I think, because like it was the most unexpected, I guess. Hmm. But basically, it implies a flaw within the child-free woman herself, hmm. and manifests often by like framing a child-free woman as selfish for not wanting kids, blaming the decision on another form of like. <laughs> quote deviance mm-hmm. like being a lesbian <laughs> um <laughs> this is like really common actually the paper That's like so cited funny because instances. like so many gay people i know love kids and want them and it's like yeah like <laughs> it's at the same rate as like straight people because yeah. we're all just people but anyway yeah. <laughs> um and then another one is literally just like calling or thinking of a child-free woman as weird for her decision (laughs) okay just like yeah just basically deviant from the norm interesting um it can also just look like outward disapproval in the decision wow one example of deviance often comes from a child-free woman's own parents Mm. stemming from their own desire to be grandparents yep definitely got that one yeah it's like seen as a flaw within the woman for not wanting to fulfill that desire to for them yeah yeah i have gotten that one (laughs) 
Which, like, definitely, thankfully, that's all I, say. I have two sisters who will both procreate for sure. Mm. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get it too bad. But I, but yeah. like, I've definitely, I've definitely had some comments before. <laughs> yeah, like, that was actually my next point. Is like for a lot of women or couples, the pressure goes away once their siblings start having kids. Mm. Um, but the for those who are only children or whose siblings also don't want kids. <laughs> like me <laughs> the pressure is just intensified mm, yikes yeah and then your parents are seeing their friends and people around them start having grandkids and having such a fun time and i'm like fair i would rather be a grandparent than a parent yeah <laughs> like that like, sounds fun yeah but i'm sorry i i just can't do this for yeah. you anyway i consider my grandparents like my both of them like my primary caretakers like more than my mm. dad was so mm-hmm. but it's like yeah being a grandparent like is super fun like you just get to hang out with a kid who loves you and you don't have to parent them like of course that would be better yeah. than being a parent it sounds amazing yeah truly and you don't have to give birth so yeah <laughs> also that so of course a lot has certainly improved for women in this mm-hmm. country since uh 1905 when Mm -hmm. roosevelt gave that (laughs) horrifying speech that's yeah but the realities of being a mother and a parent have like hardly changed yeah um because there's just no support out there as we've covered (laughs) yeah we have we certainly have um i think we've also covered this but basically like women today face arguably more expectations Mm -hmm. than women of yesteryear Uh, not only are we supposed to have families and raise them well and make them homemade granola bars or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but we're also supposed to have successful careers and happy marriages and also maintain our image meticulously and also have thriving social lives and also own beautiful houses and have a beautiful yard. Like There's literally just not enough time in the day. No, <laughs> there's really not. And there's just no support for mothers, so it's just impossible. Yeah. Um, This is pretty common knowledge at this point and something that people talk about all the time, but the U.S. has no federal paid maternity or family leave act. Mm -hmm. I don't want to belabor the point because we've all heard that like countries like Sweden and Estonia have amazing family leave policies, um, especially compared to the U.S., but like it's no wonder more and more people each year don't want kids and are choosing not to have kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done a lot of talking up to this point specifically about women because that's Mm -hmm. like i said where a lot of the research is centered but women aren't the only people who can get pregnant and that is true we would be remiss not to talk about the ways pregnancy is so deeply gendered in this country and around the world a small so i read a small swedish study about partnered lesbian bi and trans people assigned female at birth And that study explored how norms of naturalists, norms about naturalness, cisgender, and femininity affected the participants with Mm. regard to pregnancy and childbirth. Nearly all of the study's participants had expressed a fear of childbirth for various reasons. So the study named two main themes. The first of the two themes is resisting ideals of the primal woman and a natural birth. And that has to do with people resisting norms about the expectation that pregnant people should feel connected to Mother Earth and all women who have, women who have been pregnant. Mm. And also that they should endure vaginal childbirth without pain relief, Ugh, like the God. primal woman. Yeah. Which is so interesting because, like, childbirth is, like, one of the deadliest things that anybody can experience. Yeah. Like, ugh. Um, The second one is resisting cisgender and femininity ideals, Hmm. which is resisting the idea that pregnant bodies are necessarily feminine bodies. Hmm. Half of the study's participants described how these norms made affirming their own gender identity and expression difficult during Hmm. pregnancy and childbirth. Yeah. One article I read by a trans man who had given birth said that while the concept of motherhood didn't make him feel dysphoric, which if you're not familiar with that term, that means a feeling of discomfort or distress that might occur in people whose gender identity differs from their assigned sex at birth. So motherhood didn't make him feel dysphoric, but it did make him feel like the experience of pregnancy and childbirth wasn't for him Hmm. because it's just so deeply gendered and everything is about like, yeah being a mom and like being a woman and connecting you know yeah what we already said yeah this was a 
horrifying fact that I learned. Did you know that some laws in this country prevent a pregnant trans man from being listed as the father (gasps) or parent on their child's birth certificate? What? No, I did not know that. Yeah, instead it defaults to mother. Oh my god. It's literally like as simple as just a word on the birth certificate and they can't (laughs) even give trans people that. It's awful. Yeah. It's also like not... Listen... English as a language is not difficult to come up with gender-neutral alternatives for things, Literally. Either. Just list both parents, or however many parents there are, as yeah. parents. Or you could say, or, like, even on a birth certificate, you could be, like, birth giver. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, <laughs> Literally. Anyways. That's horrifying. Yeah, it's awful. So, obviously, all of this hasn't even <laughs> really breached the topic of abortion. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, mainly what the term compulsory motherhood is centered around. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but because of how divisive abortion is, I also tend to assume it's also widely controversial. Yeah. But as of April 2021, nearly 6 in 10 Americans surveyed by Pew said abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Wow. Which is very encouraging to me. Yeah. That's a much higher number than I would expect. Yeah. I feel like we just have been around a very vocal minority. Yeah, for sure. And it's obviously like a deeply partisan issue. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 70 or 80 percent of Democrats said it should be legal. Mm. And I I mean, don't quote me on this (laughs) because I'm not looking at the study and I didn't write it down. But it's like 20 or like into the teens percent of republicans Mm. say it should be legal so yeah not yeah so very partisan but overall a majority support yeah i feel like abortion has always seemed like literally the minute i developed critical thinking skills i was like oh yeah like this should be legal definitely i don't think that i would personally have an abortion but then i don't have to so yeah and you can just use birth control like yeah, it's even fine. when I was, like, deeply in the evangelical cult, that was my view, too. Yeah. It just makes sense. I was like, yeah, I I probably wouldn't do it, but, which <laughs> I don't necessarily feel that way now, but. I, I don't know. I go back and forth on it, and I think, like, honestly, I think, like, you just can't say unless you're in that position, and, like, yeah, and you're coming from a place of, like, am I equipped to care for a child? Which, like, yeah, <laughs> right now, that is a no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm genuinely just so scared yeah. of, like, getting pregnant and, like, having a child that, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, I would do whatever it takes <laughs> to not. Yeah. Anyway, with regard to abortion, the term compulsory or mandatory motherhood refers to the idea that if abortions become fully illegal, we're essentially legally mandating parenthood for every person that becomes par- pregnant. Listen. There are just some people that should not be parents. And I, listen, that is also a eugenicist standpoint. <laughs> and I recognize, yeah, not, not that I'm a eugenicist, but I'm just saying, like, there, there are some people that are just not equipped. And, uh... And I am one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> they should have the option to not be parents if they don't want to be. Yes. Agreed. So obviously we're talking about abortion. We have to talk about Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Shortly after Roe v. Wade granted women the right to abort in 1973, there were multiple attempts to pass a human life amendment, mm. which would grant recognition and rights to fertilized eggs as if they were human beings. Feminist Rhonda Copeland, Co- mm-hmm. <laughs> should have looked up how to say this, <laughs> Copelon, I don't know, at the time that feminist called it fetal supremacy. <laughs> I know, it's such a good term. Yeah. Um, and said it could be the most effective weapon that male supremacy has ever designed to control women's reprodu- reproduction and women's lives. So that sums it up. I agree, Rhonda. Yeah. Mandating parenthood also necessarily mandates all the expenses, time, effort, and physical pain of both the birthing process and parenting. Uh-huh. Obviously, like, you can choose to give your baby up for adoption, but like... It's like, that's not also incredibly traumatic as well yes and like the actual birthing process itself yeah is traumatic and extremely expensive and Mm -hmm. painful and like takes you away from work which you might not be able to afford to do especially with the like thousands in hospital bills that you'll have to pay so i found these numbers that say 
the average cost of a vaginal birth in the U.S. is over 13000 <gasps> without insurance. Oh, my God. Um, and a C-section costs an average of over 22000 without insurance. What the hell? Yeah. Do you know how much they cost with insurance? Yes. Um, with insurance, that number goes down to an average of just below 7000 which is still like That's a still huge so amount. That's still so much money. And then you have a baby that you have to pay for. Yeah. Obviously, there are different insurance plans that cause co- uh, cover yeah. different things, but like that's the average. Some people pay more, some people pay less. And like a C-section is often not um, an option that you choose. Like yeah. sometimes you have to yeah. have a C-section, and so then you just have to pay thousands more. That's insane. So you don't die. Yeah. And then sometimes you still do die. Yeah. And Great. <laughs> yeah. And that's just birth. And we talked about the costs of raising a child um, in another episode, and it's just so expensive and not something people should be forced to have to do. No. Bleak. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's worth noting that throughout history, the pressure to have children has affected men also. Mm. Um, For men, I think it's less about fulfilling their biological purpose like it is for women, then about carrying on the family name and being the sole financial provider for their families. Mm. Um, Both of those are pressures and like, you know, I don't want to downplay them. Like the more kids there are, the more mouths there are to feed and therefore the more work the dad is expected to do in the nuclear family by himself. Yeah. Which means an insane amount of work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to downplay it. I want to make it clear that these societal expectations and the stigma that surrounds them don't benefit anyone on Mm. an individual level. Mm. Like, they maybe benefit the country you live in. And, like, who cares? Yeah, I've I've always wondered, like, for people who are, like, maybe not staunchly religious, but who are strongly pro-life, natalist, anti-abortion, like, people, like... I don't know, like Republican senators who very obviously have mistresses and are like not living up to the religion that they proclaim. Like, what is that about? Like, what is the natalism about? Because like, what what do you even get out of like making like poor women have children? Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to be particularly beneficial. (laughs) Like, Like, what could it be about other than like controlling control yeah women. yeah i don't know i don't know if, if you if anybody knows the answer please tell us <laughs> yeah sound off in the comments <laughs> um conveniently our friend of the cast teddy roosevelt just kidding <laughs> enemy of the cast but um <laughs> oh my god we need to have an enemies of the cast section <laughs> yeah, mussolini teddy roosevelt um <laughs> and that's just this episode <laughs> um yeah so Enemy of the cast, Teddy Roosevelt, summed up the difference between men's and women's roles mm-hmm. or like expected Great. roles pretty well. Yeah, it's you'll love it. He said, no ordinary work done by a man is either as hard or as responsible as the work of a woman who is bringing mm. up a family of small children. For upon her time and strength, demands are, not, are made not only every hour of the day, but often every hour of the night. The birth pangs make all men the debtors of all women. Mm. Enemy of the cast, Teddy Roosevelt. Enemy. (laughs) Enemy of the cast. Oh my god. Yeah, I love that he's like, yeah, women have it harder, but that's just the way it is. And also men are still better, so. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, I wanted to touch on another group that I haven't talked about much in this episode, which is those who are child-free even though it's not what they want. Hmm. It can be so painful for people who can't themselves give birth for whatever reason to have to answer questions like, why don't you have kids? When will you have kids? Whatever. Destigmatizing not having children. Yeah. You know, that will benefit them too. Yeah. And also just don't ask that. Yeah. It's not your business. (laughs) Yeah. It's really that simple. Yeah. So in conclusion... The Pew study I talked about earlier that found that white evangelicals were most likely to prioritize childbearing, Mm -hmm. um, there was a stat in that study that was actually really encouraging to me, which is that a whole 64% of U.S. adults in that study said society is just as well off if people have priorities other than marriage and children. Hmm. A solid majority. So, like, a lot of people think it's fine. (laughs) To yeah. not have children, and yet there's still a ton of stigma around it. Oh, that's so Because it's just, like, a societal and cultural thing now. Yeah. I guess, like, 
I can see it like that's the evolutionary drive, right? To want to continue your species. And right. like I can see people having a hard time with that, like on a level that even they don't understand because like it's a very natural thing to mate and reproduce. Right. But like I don't know. I always think there is this movie um The Philosophers which was a terrible movie and it came out <laughs> when I was in high school but I thought that it it posed a really interesting question because like the whole concept of it was like if you're in an apocalyptic situation is it your responsibility to like repopulate the earth or like will you just have a really good time and then die. But it was like within the frame of a teacher student relationship and it was it was it was a really bad movie. It's really not good. Um, but that is an interesting question. Yeah. Anyways. Um, as for what we can do to confront this issue, I think as far as the stigma goes, the more child-free adults talk about their decision to not have kids, mm-hmm. like the more normalized it gets and the better off we'll all be. Yeah. Um, some other stuff you can do is adopt more inclusive language to mm. refer to parents, like parenthood in place of motherhood. Yeah. Also... <laughs> Like I said earlier, don't ever ask someone why they don't have kids. Yeah, um, unless they bring it up. Like, Yeah, I think if you're close enough with someone, asking things like, do you think you'll want kids in the future is much better than presuming they do and asking when will you have kids or how many kids do you want. Yeah. Um, But I also think like, if you have to ask someone why don't you have kids, then you don't know them well enough to know. Yeah, exactly. You know? So that's a pretty good gauge Yeah, <laughs> for whether or not you should ask, which yeah. the answer is always no. Um, don't tell young women that they'll change their minds when they meet the right man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I also found a lot of cool support groups online Ooh, yay. for child-free people. Um, so if you or someone you know is a child-free person who feels like they could just use some support from people who have made the same decision, or even if it wasn't a decision... I'll link to them in the show notes, but my favorites were We Are Child Free and The Not Mom. Mm, nice. We Are Child Free is really cool. It, like um, The website's really pretty, which is nice. <laughs> the other ones like don't have nice websites. Yeah. <laughs> but this one's like a photographer is like seeking to, you know, just share stories of people around the world who don't have kids. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. As for policies, yeah, the inequitable and unsupportive or lack of policies, not to sound like a liberal, <laughs> but like <laughs> it is important that we vote yeah. for the policies and representatives that will support a pregnant person's right to choose whether or not to continue a pregnancy. Um, in between elections, we can support organizations that are already working towards those things. Um, yeah. Planned Parenthood, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um but there are also some cool sites I found, like aidaccess.org and womenonweb.org, which I'll also link to in the show notes. Um, with all of the restrictive abortion laws being passed and mm-hmm. put forth around the country right now, uh, yeah. these sites help people access safe abortion care online. And you can actually receive abortion pills by mail from Ooh, them. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So even some of the most restrictive laws that are being passed right now, a lot of them tend to focus on the clinicians performing the abortions instead Mm. of, like, the person receiving the abortion. I've also read... I don't know if this is true, so Google it, but I've I've read that if you have a medically induced abortion and you go to the hospital, um, they cannot tell if it's an abortion or a miscarriage. So if you're in like a state that penalizes you for having an abortion, you can just tell them it's a miscarriage and they won't be able yeah. to tell. Anyways, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's okay. That's very important. I was just saying like, if the laws don't focus on the person receiving an abortion, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly, you'll be fine if you just order the pills online, but yeah. don't take legal advice from me. <laughs> Make your own choices. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So wow, that's it. I learned so much and Yay. made a new enemy. <laughs> enemy of the cast, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, in summation, I think we should all have quiverfuls of cats and dogs and um, if you yes. want to have children, you're actually a fascist. That's what I've taken away from this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, important to note that we do not support your decision to have children. Yeah. We do, we do. <laughs> just make your own choices and don't judge people for theirs. I support other people having children, just not me. And don't ask me to babysit. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yay. Yeah. Where can they find us? 
if oh, you right. would like to. <laughs> All the closing things. I was like, I feel like we're forgetting things. I know. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Impure Rethought. Um, you can email us at impurerethought at gmail.com or visit our website impurerethought.com you can also join our discord server which the link will be in the show notes if you want to come chat yeah you can leave us a review if you liked this episode yeah we would appreciate it yeah apparently it helps with ratings and i'm not gonna lie i really like looking at them and being like (laughs) who listened to this we had three streams from sweden so far and i'm like who are you swedish people shout out to you thank you please come forward and tell us who you are (laughs) (laughs) shout out to the swedes um yeah and we will see you soon yeah i guess we'll you'll hear us soon we won't see you we'll see each (laughs) other but you won't see us and we won't see you but we'll you'll you'll hear us soon yeah yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) all right may may your your thoughts thoughts stay stay dirty. dirty bye bye